0: welcome to episode 22 of pub crawl a publishing podcast about reading writing books and occasionally booze i'm your host kelly Mansant. i am a contracts manager and a freelance editor
1: and i'm your co-host sj jones called jj i'm an author and erstwhile editor
0: We are both contributors with the Publishing Craw blog, and together we have over 15 years of industry experience. Today, we are very excited because we are doing the query critique today. Yay! Yeah.
1: Uh, So thank you guys, uh, all of you who've sent uh, queries in for us to critique. We really appreciate it. Um, And hopefully this will be helpful for not just those of you who've sent them in and we're critiquing on air right now, But just those of you, I hope this is helpful for all of you who are trying to polish their queries for representation, and hopefully we can impart some lessons that everyone can learn from. So Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, and we got um, so many queries. I think we ended up with around like somewhere between 13 and 15 um, submissions, which is amazing. Um, Thank you guys so much. Um, Unfortunately, we're not going to have time to get to all of them. So We did select five um, that we think showed, um, you know, some that we had different feedback for so that we could kind of give you um, the most range in feedback based on what we had.
1: Yeah. I mean, before we go into the individual critiques, why don't we talk about some of the general issues we saw across the board?
0: Sure. Um, So some of the things that we saw generally was um issues of either being too vague with your information you know yeah. sometimes <laughs> the query length was right, you know it was about the right number of words it was about the right um you know length, but the actual content didn't really give us enough to go on um so uh, sometimes we ran into things that were pretty vague um another common thing that we saw was um a lot of telling and not showing. Yep. Kind of. Yep. That was um, a pretty common thing that we saw. Um, JJ, what else was there? I think there
1: was a lot of uh, going along with the telling and not showing bit. There was, we did get quite a few queries that were like, my book is about blank. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, in the, in, The future or further down the publication, when you get reviews and you get people talking about your book, about the themes in your book, that's all fine, but we don't need that in a query, and we don't necessarily want that in a query, because what we're looking for in a query, if you're an agent or an intern at an agency, we want to see the story. We don't really care what your book is about. We just want to know what your story is. So those, mm. those are sort of the kind of the common problems we saw kind of across the board.
0: Yeah. So we have um, a selection of five queries here. And uh, JJ and I both have detailed notes for each one. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to read the query out loud And then after we've read it, um, we'll go back and kind of dissect it and point out uh, the strengths in the query, point out the things that we think um, need to be cut or changed or elaborated. Um, So we'll just basically go further in after reading them aloud. We have stripped out all of the personal information. So we've removed titles, we've removed your names, we've removed where you went to school, um, (laughs) anything that, you know, would be too personal. We have um, taken out, but otherwise, um, these are the queries as they were sent to us. So, should I take the first one? Yeah. All right.
1: Um, and also, before we go into it, why don't we pick? Or why don't we explain why we picked this particular query?
0: Sure. Um, so this one we selected because, um, in terms of feedback, we're able to. We're able to give. Um, feedback on this one in terms of talking about the book um, this query does a, a talks a lot about its the book um, and the the hopes for the book and the themes for the book um, but it doesn 't necessarily tell us the story mm-hmm. so this is the query. According to your profile, you are actively seeking children's books that feature adorkable protagonists, and I think my story picture book title fits the kind of text you hope to market. My intent for the book is to broaden children's exposure to music and encourage mixing different styles while developing a sense of empathy. Each book in the title series would include a brief history of the instruments featured alongside a bar of simple music that could be played with a recorder. The nonfiction and interactive elements would especially appeal to gifted elementary readers. What happens when you're the captain of the watch's son returning home from a summer at hero camp, but you never mastered highly stylized defenestration? Billy McDougall knows he doesn't have what it takes to follow in the footsteps of his father and brothers, who are already considered heroes in the community. All of this changes when he finds an old bugle in the attic. His best friend, Claire Annette, encourages him to harness its power to help protect the town of Crescendo from a series of attacks by wild beasts who are enthralled to a mysterious figure with an enchanted theremin. Title stories are set to feature a cast of multicultural characters who each represent different genres of music, from strings and percussion to beatboxing, and use their talents to protect the hometown from a mysterious and vengeful villain. One of my overarching themes is that villains are typically only lashing out after having been hurt themselves. The antagonist of the series, Leo, believes himself to be a hero avenging his sister, a musical prodigy who is left deaf after an accident. She is unaware of Leo's actions, and the climax of the series involves her meditating or involves her mediating an alliance between her brother and the band. I have a BA in creative writing from school and have been teaching language arts for nearly a decade. During the summer, I am am an instructor at Name of Center, where I work with gifted fourth and fifth graders in the Writing Workshop Modern Fantasy course. I have seen firsthand how kids can channel their energy into creative outlets, and the results are amazing. I think Billy's story can inspire the next generation and inform them of music's historical relevance with hands-on application. Thank you very much for your time, and I hope you enjoy my submission. And that's the query. So, um, there are a couple of things here. I think our, our, um, the most of the notes that JJ and I have taken about this query kind of fall into two categories. One of them, um, we have a lot of notes about the telling versus showing and the talking about the themes of your book. And then the other set of our notes have to do with what little information you give us about the story itself. Um... So, I think the main thing about this query right off the bat is that we, we don't know what the story is. There's a lot of words here. I think um, the total word count for this uh, query is 392. Um, this is the longest query out of the five that we've selected so far today. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of information being given to us. But a lot of it is not, a lot of those words aren't actually telling us the story. You're telling us about the story, about the themes of your story, about the intent for your book. And the query is not the place to do that. Um, for several reasons, um, you know, the, the themes about your book can be great. You know, if you're talking about, you know, heroes who are, Um, you know, overcoming things in their community and sympathetic antagonists who are dealing with their own problems. You know, all of that stuff is interesting and great. And I think it's, there are wonderful themes to have in children's books. And, you know, music is a wonderful thing to educate children about. And so it's not that there's anything wrong with those themes. It's that I don't know how your book is going to specifically make those themes come alive. Right now it's it reads almost kind of like a thesis paper. Yeah. Or like yeah. a, you know, like it's very um it it's it's it does not you know, and especially in the beginning here when you talk about my intent for the book is to broaden children's exposure to music and encourage mixing different styles da da da. Um, each book in the series would include a brief history of the instruments featured alongside music um, and so you've got a lot of stuff here, and now i don't know you know if I was an agent reading this okay it's a it's a picture book, but it's got nonfiction parts, but it's also got sheet music, but it's got you know like what is the identity of this? What is this trying to be um So right off the bat, I think there's a lot of that that just completely needs to be cut. Most of the entire first paragraph, most of the second half of the second paragraph, um, you know, really the only parts we have about the story are basically Billy finds this bugle and it's going to save his community. And that's all we know about your picture book. (laughs) Yeah, we
1: don't have a lot of specifics. We don't necessarily know what the community is. We don't know what, a, what the threat is. We don't even know what power the Buell has. And these are all things that we need to know what the story of this picture book is. Now, you have to do a lot in picture books, and I am one of the first people to say that picture books are, in fact, the hardest things to write for children. Mm-hmm. Um, but... As I was reading this, I saw a lot of intent, but I didn't see a lot of evidence, for the lack of a better word. Kelly mentioned that this seems like a thesis statement. You know, we get a lot of, oh, my book intends to do this. But we don't get how it's going to show it to us. We get we have a glimmer of a story there. And I think the story could be, in fact, very interesting. Mm-hmm. But we get nothing. We don't get the name of this the, the captain of the watch's son. What's his name? We only get the name of his friend. We we.
0: Oh, I think he's Billy. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's just, there's so much here that could be interesting, but kind of gets lost in this, I want to show kids this, I want to show kids that.
0: Yeah, it's the, a lot of it is your hopes for your book or the applications of your book, the way that your book could be used or the way that your book could benefit your intended audience, but you know, this is not, this is not how you query a picture book.
1: And as far as picture books go, to me, this is a lot of story to pack into a picture book. Picture books are kind of on average, and this is of course an average across the industry, are generally between 800 and 1200 words. That's Mm -hmm. a lot. And your query, as Kelly said, is 392 words. That's, half the length of a picture book in itself. So Mm -hmm. if you're trying to tell the story of Billy, who's found this bugle, who's able to save his community, whatever that is, from the antagonist Leo, who has a sister who went deaf, that's a lot to try and pack in between 800 and 1200 words. Mm
0: It sounds more like a middle grade to me, honestly, or like an early reader chapter book or something like that, um, where we get a little bit more time to flesh it out. It seems like it could have, you know, um, that kind of like adventure appeal with this young protagonist. Um, There are things that I like, you know, a a lot of times too, I want to caution you, and this is a general note um, for everyone who's querying in general. Um, it doesn't do you much good to say, you know, this is the first book in a series. Kind of the best thing to do is to say, um, this is a book, you know, with series potential, um, or, you know, this could be expanded into a series. You know, it's hard enough sometimes to sell one book, let alone, you know, an endless, um, series. But I do like the idea that it's, you know, going to feature multicultural, multicultural characters who represent different genres of music. Um, I do think that's interesting. Um, I would maybe want, you know, I almost kind of wish I had a query about one of those stories, um, as opposed to Billy, but I actually don't know enough about Billy and about this story to know, you know, what it really is. Basically what we need to know is that Billy comes from a family of, I'm assuming musicians or people, captain of the watch. It seems like this is a musical society. I don't know. We don't, we don't have any, a lot of things to go on, but whatever type of community they live in, it's clear that Billy's father and his brothers are well regarded within the community and that Billy himself is not, that he is falling short of his family's um, legacy. And, You know, so he's struggling with that. He finds this bugle, and his best friend encourages him to use its power to save the community. But we don't know, you know, you tell us later that it's Leo, but we don't know what Leo's done. How is the community in danger? What happened? How is this bugle that he finds in the attic the key to? solving the problem. You know, what are the stakes? We don't know what the stakes are. We know that there are, you know, an attack of wild beasts enthralled to a mysterious figure. Is the mysterious figure Leo or is that someone else? You know, we just don't, we have a lot of information here, but none of it is the right information.
1: Yeah. And if you look at this query overall, and I sort of counted, so there's about 400 words in this query only five sentences actually tell me what the story is. Everything else is telling me what the story wants to achieve or what the story should be about. But if I were an agent looking at this book, I would probably turn this down for the reasons that we mentioned, that it was vague and it's telling and not showing. But also I think... As Kelly had said, it seems more like a middle grade or a chapter book than a picture book. Um, you know, there, of course, Kelly and I do differ a little bit on comps, but there isn't a comp here. There isn't another mm-hmm. book in the market that I can compare it to that I can see how it's done. I don't know of very many picture books that take this sort of educational slant mm-hmm. in the same way. Most of the picture books that I can think of, for example, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, of course, being very famous, or even
0: Don't Let the Pigeon Drive yes, the Bus by Mo
1: Willems or John <laughs> Klassen's um, I Want My Hat Back. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're, they're really wonderful. I really love them, but they're not there with any sort of educational slant. And this is, and I'm, I'm sort of trying to place this, like, where would this be in the market? What age group is this being targeted to is this early reader is this board book is this there's you know even within picture books there are age bands um so to me this query reads a little bit like the author has not necessarily researched the market in depth so for those reasons if i were uh, an agent and reading this query those are the reasons that i would turn this down
0: Mm uh-huh But I think, you know, again, this could be a really interesting story. I think you can um, create a query that would make this, make us as interested in, as passionate about the story as you so clearly are. I mean, it is so evident that this means so much to you and that you believe so strongly in it. Um, and as a person with a musical background myself, I completely understand what you're saying and where you're coming from, um, about the power that music can have in children's lives. Um, but I think that you really need to kind of go back to the drawing board, focus on using your query to tell the actual story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So do we have any further thoughts on this particular query?
0: I think that's most of it. Yeah. I think the bio is pretty good. Yeah, Um, I agree. You know, and I think this is an example of a good bio. All of the things listed are relevant. Um, You know, it's pretty professional. So I think the bio is great.
1: Yeah. And and Kelly and I picked queries that we would be interested in, in, in terms of the story. So even mm-hmm. if the query isn't necessarily there, we picked these because we f- we thought that there was a glimmer of something that we would be interested in. Yeah. So, you know, definitely this is something that you can take and you can polish and maybe refine to find the core of the story and tell it in your query or show it in your query rather, rather than telling it to right. us. Right. Yeah. So. All right. So we can go on to our second example. Mm hmm. Which, um, again, as we said, this all these queries we picked because we were interested in the story, even if necessarily there were some issues with them that may or may not, if we were agents, that we may or may not have necessarily picked it up. But this one we picked because the story is great, but it's very vague. There yeah, aren't enough details to really give us a clear picture of what's going on. So I'm going to go ahead and read this for you guys. Um, When Nora's research leads her to a secret world of time travel, she becomes a marked woman and experiences a love that could change the past and destroy the present. Her story is titled, A 76,000 Word Contemporary Fantasy. When Nora travels to France to dig deeper into her late mother's time travel theories, she meets Henri. Henri a man who claims to be a 12th century prince and a man she knows will one day become King Henry II of England. Henri's struggle for the throne brings him to the 21st century to find a relic from a 900-year-old shipwreck recently recovered from the bottom of the English Channel. Nora joins his quest, thrilled to find living proof of time travel and eager to uncover more details about her mother's research. But a growing attraction to the prince but sorry, but in her growing attraction to the prince, Nora ignores important signs that Henri is not being completely honest with her. Helping Henri sets Nora firmly in the crosshairs of a dangerous group, the Guardians, who will stop at nothing to prevent time travel. Nora and Henri race across France to find the relic that will secure Henri's kingdom before the Guardians silence them forever. When the Guardians finally abduct her and expose Henri's lies, a shattered Nora realizes that her decision to trust him and ultimately love him could change the past and the present. Title combines historical intrigue in the spirit of Anne Forstier's The Lost Sisterhood with the light-hearted romantic feel of Lauren Willig's Pink Carnation series. This novel, along with most of my writing, is inspired by the piles of research I did for my Master of Arts in History. My short stories have been finalists for the Thomas Wolfe Fiction Prize and the Writer's Workshop Fiction Contest and have been published in online literary magazines and several small press anthologies, including Copperfield Review. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm plotting more adventures for Nora and spinning non-magical historical tales. The first... Number of pages are pasted below, and the complete manuscript is available upon request. Thank you so much for reading, and I hope to hear from you soon. So, So, yeah. There is a lot here that's going on that I find really interesting. Of course, I like time travel stories. I like romance. I like historical intrigue. These are all things that would draw me to this story. However, we don't get a lot here. Uh, we don't get much about Nora. You know, it, the story starts with her digging deep, deep into her late mother's time travel theories. And completely glosses over what those are. It, it doesn't explain what her mother was researching, why her mother was researching them, why Nora has taken over them. And even on top of that, why she meets somebody from the past. So you have kind of two fish out of time, fish out of water, time displacement stories here with Nora and with Henri. But we don't get why they're meeting. We don't get how they're meeting. We just know that they're thrown together. We don't know anything about Nora. We don't know anything about Henri except he's becoming, he's going to become King Henry II of France or of England. There's so much here that I like, or that I have the potential to like, but have so many questions. Yeah. For example, in the <laughs> in the third paragraph, Henri's struggle for the throne brings him to the 21st century to find a relic from a 900-year-old shipwreck. huh <laughs> Okay, that's great, but... How does he get to the 21st century? What exactly is this relic? And how is it going to help him regain his throne? These are all questions uh-huh. that come up with sentences like these that aren't answered in the, quest, in the query. And there's just no hint of it anywhere else in the story. And further on in the, in the query, there's stuff about the guardians who are, quote, against time travel which is fine every story can have an antagonist and that's great but why are they against time travel and what are they trying to do to nora are they trying to change the timeline because she knows she's met henry are they there's just so many questions and so many answers that aren't given to us
0: right are the guardians from nora's timeline or did they follow henry like what You know, we, we, there's so much we don't know there. And
1: the other thing is, it says, but in her growing attraction to the prince, Nora ignores important signs that Henri is not being completely honest with her. What is he not being honest with her in? What, what is it? What secrets is he keeping from her? Why is that so important to the story? It, i I'm, I'm I'm left with this intriguing premise that I would like to read more about that I just don't have any answers to in the query
0: mhm and it it is it's the kind of thing where um you know, certainly queries are not going to answer every question for you. You know, they're, they're meant to leave you wanting to request the full manuscript and finish the entire book. But these are questions that we really need to know because um, there are clarity issues. We're, just, we're not fully understanding what is happening and why it's happening.
1: The other thing is, in a query, we need to know very clearly what the stakes are. And I'm not sure what the stakes are. So we have a modern woman coming across somebody from the past. Are the stakes that the timeline will change? But then later in the queer, we have the introduction of the guardians who are against time travel. So then is the stakes her own life? I'm just not clear why we should care about the protagonist, what we should worry about, what The conflict's going to be. It's, I mean, there are inklings in here that hint at a larger picture, but they're not clearly delineated for us.
0: Yeah. Right now, the only hint of stakes that we really have are for Henri, who is searching for this relic that is somehow vital to him. Ascending the throne. And we know that if he doesn't get it, apparently he's not going to become king, but he's not our protagonist that those stakes don't necessarily affect Nora, whether or not he becomes king or gets what he wants or whatever. I mean, it's clear that there's a romance there and that for her part of the stakes are, you know, will this romance succeed or not, but that's not enough. We need to know why this is personal to her, why she personally gets involved.
1: Yeah, and the the last sentence of the quote story or the meat of the query that we have is when the Guardians finally abduct Nora and expose Henri's lies, a shattered Nora realizes that her decision to trust him and ultimately love him could change the past and the present. Again, I have so many questions. What are Henri's lies? Why is she so shattered by them? What about her decision to love him or her falling in love with him is going to change the past or the present. I mean it I mean of course I like time travel stories and you can go kind of two ways that there's the grandfather paradox or there's the the you know alternate timeline thing. We don't get a hint of any of this in the query. We get kind of the vague sense of a historical setting and a romance, which is great. I love both of those things, but we need a little bit more detail to really get us invested in this story.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the bio is great. It's clear that you have a lot of excellent credentials. Um, And this is kind of what I'm talking about, too, when I talk about the fact that I personally believe that writing queries is is a specific skill set. That is completely different from writing fiction. (laughs) Um, I know not everyone agrees with that um, but I really do think that writing queries are completely different, require completely different skills, and are really difficult to write. Um, Like JJ said there's a lot here that's really interesting. I I want, I think this is a story that I would want to read, Um, but if I saw this in my inbox um, you know, up against hundreds of other queries, and there were others that didn't leave me questioning so much, then this one might might not get requested so I want to know this story. I really think it's possible to clean this one up. Um, You just have to be specific with us. Just tell us, you know, if there are secrets, tell us what they are. If there are lies, tell us what they are. You know, be clear and honest about what the actual stakes are, because that's how you hook us. That's how we get invested as readers.
1: Yeah, and as we said before, this one is a little bit vague. So the exact specifics that we're looking for, what what are Henri's secrets? What is this relic that is going to help him regain his throne? And why is this relic necessary? And why are the guardians against time travel? Those are the three things that we need to get a clear picture of what the stakes are in this story. So one last thing, I think, before we move on to the next query, is that the comms used here are Anne Forstier's The Lost Sisterhood, and Lauren Willig's The Pink Carnation series. Now, of course, as I mentioned before, Kelly and I uh, sort of differ on whether or not comps are necessary. I am a little bit confused as to why these two were particularly picked, especially as there are other authors out there who use the conceit of time travel to tell kind of a mystery slash love story. In particular, obviously, the biggest example that I can think of is Diana Gabaldon's Outlander series, Um, but there's also Susanna Kearsley, and she has written a bunch of sort of historical mysteries that feature sort of a magical or supernatural element, and I think Susanna Kearsley in particular is probably a better comp than Anne Forstier or Lauren Willick, and I haven't read Anne Forstier, but Lauren Willick I have read. And they're, and exactly as you said, they're lighthearted and romantic, but it, 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 it just seems like a strange comp to pick for this kind of book.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why, I mean, again, I think when, um, there are good comps picked, I think they work really well. But the reason that I'm hesitant on them is, you know, for reasons like this, because I feel like it's very easy to select comps that are not going to put your book in the best light or not even that it's going to reflect poorly on your book, but that it's just not going to connect or make sense.
1: Yep. So do we have any last thoughts on on this particular one before we move on?
0: I think that was pretty much it. It's a good length. It's 360 words. Um, You know, the bio is great, very professional, completely relevant. Um, I do like a lot of, you know, the bits of story that we get. We just need more. Um, And we don't even necessarily need like a longer word count. I think you just need to go in and rework some of these sentences so that they're giving us specific information. Yeah,
1: I agree. All right. So let's move on to the third query.
0: Okay. Um, So this one is... An example of a query that, um, is not, you know, if the last one was about giving us a lot of information, but being vague about it, this query just isn't plain, isn't giving us enough information. Um, this is the shortest query that we had in the entire bunch. It's only 230 words. So for this one, we're just basically looking for more. Um, so I will go ahead and read it. Mm -hmm. Dear agent. Yesterday, Jordan's biggest fear was being outed as genderqueer. Today, he's trying to stop the world's largest video game company from becoming the next big brother before they kill him and his friends. Jordan and his two gaming partners just won tickets for CruiseCon, a convention at sea hosted by the company that produces their favorite MMORPG. All they have to do is beta test a new game world with the other contest winners. But after the trial, an anonymous gamer tells them they missed something and threatens their families if they don't find it. Jordan wants to go to the police, but cops won't reach the ship in time, and the security officers on board may not be trustworthy. Then, another curious gamer is killed, and Jordan and his friends get caught in a race to expose a lethal technology hidden in the game's code before the tech is used against them. The title is a 62,000-word young adult thriller with LGBTQ characters that will appeal to fans of Ernest Cline and Cory Doctorow's Little Brother. I have a B.A. in classics from school and an M.S. in library and information sciences from other school. When not writing, I work as a public librarian, connecting readers with books they will love. Thank you for your time and consideration. So, um, I really love the premise of this book.
1: I do too. Um, I mean, that first sentence in that query, basically it was like, yep, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. in, I'm, I'm interested, yeah. I'm looked.
0: We both, I think, JJ and I have really similar notes for this one. And basically it's that we're here for all of it. It's just that all of it isn't very much. And I have to say, based on this, um, just the query as written, there's a possibility I would have requested it anyway. Um, just because like I said, I do think there's so much here that is interesting or that what is here is interesting. (laughs) There isn't very much. And so this is again, a situation where if you're in the inbox of an agent and they've got hundreds of queries and this one is interesting, but it's not fully fleshed out and they have another one, you know, right next to it, that's, you know, perfect and tells them everything they need to know, then, you know, this one might get passed over in favor of that one. Um, In general, most of my notes are, I have a few questions in terms of what's happening. And so Jordan and his friends are on this cruise um, and they're beta testing this new game we're set up in the beginning, the opening line sets us up that the video game company is the villain. They're the antagonist. They're the one who's going to become big brother and, you know, kill him and his friends. Um, so right from the very beginning, we know the video game company, they're the bad guy. But then we, the query goes off on this tangent about this anonymous gamer who's threatening their families and telling them they missed something. Um, and that is a little confusing to me because is the anonymous gamer connected to the video game company? You know, how is that? What, what is that? Are they the one and the same? How are they connected? Um, how are they threatening their families? You know, are their families on this cruise with them? Are they threatening, you know, to um, physically harm them? Are they threatening them in some other ways? You know, again, tell us very clearly what the stakes are. Um, and then we go into this part about, um, this race to expose this lethal technology hidden in the game's code, which I think it sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't quite know what lethal technology means though. Is it like a video game that infects the person playing it like a virus? Um, Is it, like, lethal technology, meaning, like, the codes or the plans to build some kind of lethal weapon that's embedded, you know, in the game's code? Like, what does that mean, this lethal technology? We need to know what it is and how it would be used. Um,
1: And what the ramifications are, really.
0: Right, yeah. Um, And so, and then, and, and we just in general need more um, what you have here is really great. It's all interesting. Um, it's well-written. It's, you know, but we just need more of it. This is such a short query. I mean, you've got at least another a hundred words, if not 150 words, um, that you could add to this to pad it out. And we really just need more story. We need to know, you know, clearly, um, clearly. So so also, it it seems as though this whole cruise con to begin with is kind of a a ploy to to use to, yeah the to lure all these way. beta testers
1: in to right. to the to using the game and to figuring out what the bugs are. I mean, really, to be completely honest, the one sentence there's really one sentence in here. That needs to be expanded, and that's, but after the trial, an anonymous gamer tells them they missed something and threatens their families if they don't find it. Several questions. Uh, missed something, what? Threatens their yeah. families, with what? If they don't find it, again, What? You don't have to necessarily reveal all these pieces of information. Obviously, this is probably a thriller. So you want to withhold some of that and you want to kind of parcel that over the course of the story. And that's completely fine. I, I completely get that. But we need to know what the stakes are, as we've said in the previous query, threatening their families. What does that mean? Threatening to murder their families? Threatening to dox them? Threatening to out Jordan as gender queer? What is that? What is the nature of that threat? If we get the specific of what specifics of what the nature of that threat is, that makes us care more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Specifics always yeah. make us care more.
0: Mm-hmm. And the the whole beta testing thing, yeah. When the gamers telling them they miss something, are they beta testing? Is it like a game about finding certain things? Is there something that they've overlooked? Um, I do think we need a little bit more clarity on whether or not the gamer, the anonymous gamer is connected to the video game company or not, because right now, if not, if the anonymous gamer is a third party, you know, throwing a wrench into this situation, um, you know, cause it almost kind of reads to me like, is the anonymous gamer trying to spur them to expose the video game company? You know, like uh, there's so many possibilities here. If the anonymous gamer isn't, connected to the video game company, then, you know, what is the video game company? What is their role in all this? You know, because we know that they're going to become big brother, but what does that mean? And if the two are connected, if the gamer is an agent of the video company, then I think we need to make that a little bit clearer. Um, yeah. And the, the yeah. lethal
1: technology thing, I'm assuming that the anonymous gamer is saying, look, you miss the fact that this has potentially le- like lethal ramifications. Mm-hmm. If that is in fact the case, I would like to have that made clearer
0: mm-hmm. in the,
1: in the text of the query itself.
0: Right. But then I also don't understand, you know, if the anonymous gamer knows that, why doesn't the anonymous, the anonymous, anonymous wow, <laughs> the anonymous gamer, why doesn't he just expose that lethal technology? Why does he need Jordan and his friends to do it? You know, so I think. I think we just need just more. more. Yeah, I don't think anything really needs to be cut. I think that one line that J.J. Um, pulled out should be reworked. Um, but in general, I don't think you need to cut anything. I think everything that's here is good. We just need more of it. Um, I really like this. This is a book that I want to read, and so... Um in terms of the query, I just think, you know, you've got you've got room. You only have two hundred and thirty words written here. And so you definitely have room um to open this up and expand it a little bit.
1: Yeah, and to go to the cops, I think the cops are excellent. I think uh-huh. they're perfect. Ernest Klein's Ready Player One is about, you know, games and little Cory Doctor's little brother is also similar. I think the comps are spot on. I think you've got the market down. We just need more. We just need specifics. Mm-hmm. We need reasons why we need to care beyond just the premise, which is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, really like this one. Really good. Yeah. Um, what is up next?
1: All right. So, we pick the next one. In in itself, it's actually not a bad query, but we had a couple of concerns, so I'm going to read this one aloud, and, and then we'll discuss what the concerns are afterwards. So, Dear Blank, 11-year-old twins Seamus and Grady lead a life most boys can only dream of. They have rich, doting parents who never scold them, chuckle when they play hooky from school, and give them whatever they want. They accidentally find out why. Turns out, they're not Americans. Heck, they're not even human. They are 21st century, expat leprechauns soon to to possess awesome powers, if they can acquire a pot of gold each. Unfortunately, pot of golds don't come easy in their hometown of Boston, so they have to look elsewhere. The twins end up in Africa with an ancient map and a plan to find the lost treasure of Prester John, a mighty king who stashes loot somewhere in Ethiopia. No quest comes without peril, and standing in their way is the undead spirit of a giant African chief who guards the horde and believes that by sca- sacrificing the boys, he can return to the world of the living and rule it. Can the twins outsmart a wily specter, plus a few other sundry obstacles, acquire their pot of gold, and live to ride the rainbow back home? Title is my de- debut novel. It is a 45,000-word fun adventure aimed at children aged 9-12. It will appeal to readers who enjoy imaginative and fast-paced action books, with a hefty dollop of magic, of course. I have a BA in journalism school in Montreal and work as a freelance writer to support my creative writing addiction. As per your submission guidelines, I am attaching a synopsis of my story and my manuscript. Thank you for your time and consideration, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. So... There's a lot here that's pretty good. We have Mm -hmm. the protagonist very clearly. We have their situation. They are leprechauns, which I actually think is pretty adorable, who need Mm -hmm. to find a pot of gold to come into their powers. The problem that we have, again, as as with the previous queries, is that we have some vagueness that we should we would like a little bit more specifics on. For example, they accidentally find out that they're leprechauns. Well, how? <laughs> what what happens if they they find out they're, they're leprechauns? Why is that information hidden from them? Uh, and all that sort of stuff. So there there's that sort of vagueness there. And then in the second paragraph, we learn that they end up in Africa with a map. Again, why are they in Africa? How do they come across this map? There's just kind of a lot of questions there in terms of, of vagueness. But the other concern Kelly and I had had was the potential for appropriation here. Uh, the Prester John narrative, if people who read Bible stories, can be kind of familiar to people, the Prester John being I believe he was a disciple of Jesus who went to Africa and then founded this sort of mythical kingdom, which is a cool story and an idea that you can definitely draw from. It's not that we're saying that you can't, but they go to quote Africa and Prester John, of course, supposedly set up his kingdom in Ethiopia. But then you have this antagonist of this giant African chief. We don't have a sense of what tribe he's from. We know that he's undead, but he's the villain and we don't know why he wants to rule the world. There's a lot of tropes and stereotypes here that are giving me pause. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, neither one of us have read the book. Um, this is based on your query only. Um, and we don't, we don't say this to be you know we our, our intention here at, at no point not with this query or with any other is to be mean or to be cruel we are trying um to point out things that we think can make your work better um we're doing it you know because we selected these queries because we genuinely think that there are things in each of these queries stories that are worth telling um you know, but this is something in this query that both JJ and I independently kind of had a, you know, a a bit of a concern with and when we, you know, mentioned it to each other we discovered that we'd both thought the same thing. Um and I think it's it I think it's important to point it out that, you know, this even just on this query stage, even without reading the manuscript, there are some red flags here.
1: Appropriation, and I don't want to go too deeply into this right now, but there is currently a huge furor around J.K. Rowling and her appropriation of Native American myths and legends when she wrote her essays about the history of magic in North America. Of course, I can't speak to the appropriation of Native American stories, but I can see where she went wrong, where she erred, where she took the thousands of tribes and nations and clans that existed in America before European colonization and treated them as a monolith. You know, Native America, that's that's comprised of a lot of different tribes. The Iroquois, the Algonquin, the Plains Indians, mm-hmm. those in California, the Inuit. There's so much here. And the same thing is with. Africa. When you say giant African chief, I'm a little bit like, oh dear. Okay. So chief of what? Chief of who? What nation? What tribe? What clan? And, and the fact that this giant, quote, African chief is the villain of the story really does give me pause.
0: And not just any villain. I mean, he's going to sacrifice them. He's going to he's going to murder them for sacrifice for his own personal gain. I mean, it's a pretty, um, it, it, it's, you know, and with JK Rowling and with this writer and with many, many other writers, um, who have dealt with this issue, we're not saying that your intentions were bad or racist or that you were deliberately, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an intentional thing to still be harmful or still perpetuate, um, negative depictions of other cultures. And and I am not African, um so I can't I can't tell you whether or not this is actually appropriative, but what I can tell you is that as a reader it it set off some alarm bells.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And this is of course not to say that you didn't do your research or that you meant any harm by it, but racism is what we do and not what we intend. So I I do caution you to be careful and Mm -hmm. to be thoughtful. And if you are writing or using non-white characters as props in your narrative, that does give me pause. Um, And there are plenty of, of agents out there who I think would agree with me. Of course, there's this huge movement for we need diverse books and everything like that, and and everyone in publishing, ha- I think, has good intentions to try and represent people as best they can. So something like this, if this came across my inbox, the red flags I think would cause me to turn it down, because in the query itself, I'm not assured that that this is treated sensitively. Mm-hmm. So,
0: but yeah.
1: other than that, there's a lot here that's great you've got.
0: Yeah, really great. I mean, even your writing just in the query itself, like acquire their pot of gold and live to ride the rainbow back home. Yeah, yeah. There's a really great tone in this query. We talked recently about voice and tone and about how um, the tone of your query should not necessarily be identical to the tone of your work. And I think you've really nailed a great tone here. I can tell that this is going to be an adventure, action story. Um, I think that, you know, like JJ said earlier, I love the idea that they're leprechauns. I think it's adorable. It's really clear what they need to do. They need to get this pot of gold, you know, Really, aside from that one questionable element, you know, which we do have strong concerns about, the body of the query is in general great. It seems like a great story and one that I would want to read if not for that, uh, you know, that unfortunate element. So. I hope you'll take it into consideration. Um, I hope you'll think about it and take a look at your story and see um, what, if anything, you can do to make sure that your story is um, not being appropriative or, um, you know, that just, just that you're being thoughtful, as JJ said, uh, because I think that this could really be um, really excellent. I think this has great marketing potential. I think this... You know, could be a really, really excellent book if done the right way.
1: I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's got the right tone, I've got the characters, I've got the stakes. So, this is definitely something that I would read, just again, as Kelly said, just that one little thing that would make me, mm-hmm. that would actually is a pretty big pause. So,
0: all right, let's move on to our last query. So, I'm actually not going to say anything about this one. I'm just going to read it and then uh, we can talk about it after. Okay. The Crummett siblings have each adapted their lives to fit within the oppressive boundaries of their parents' expectations. Whether it's for money, approval, respect, or love, all the children have manipulated their lives to conform to the family standards. But when Olive, the youngest and most beloved sister, ends up pregnant outside of wedlock and dares to be happy about it, everything changes. Seeing Olive boldly step outside the shadow of their parents' rigid expectations forces each of the siblings to question the fundamental motivations on which they'd built their lives. This new perspective leads, sends each of them on their own unique journey. Olive's closest sister, Sam, goes through a heart-rending non-surgical abortion the day before she finds out about Olive's pregnancy and now has to navigate an emotional landscape scattered with the question, what if? The oldest brother, William, a gay man whose parents refer to his lifetime partner as his black friend, realizes that the only thing holding him back from fully engaging in life is fear of his parents' disapproval. The oldest, perfect daughter, Vivian, reignites a relationship she'd sabotaged with too much drinking and unexamined anger over events from her past. And the youngest sibling, 21-year-old Mark, responds in typical fashion by pretending not to give a shit while actually feeling even more disgruntled with and disconnected from his siblings than ever before. During this tumultuous time, a new family dynamic begins to take shape. Bonds are formed between once-distant siblings, close relationships are put to the test, and Mark's bitter resentment toward his siblings turns dangerous. When the siblings find themselves face-to-face for the first time since Olive's announcement, tensions run high, and a final act of selfish rage sets off a series of events which end in a tragedy that threatens to destroy them all. The Crummett siblings live up and down the West Coast in Portland, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, but their lives are intimately woven together as the point of view shifts from one sibling to the next after each phone call or in-person interaction between siblings. This flow of perspective creates the experience of a natural sibling dynamic while also giving the readers the opportunity to learn about each character through their own thoughts, as well as the observations and judgments of their siblings. Title is upmarket women's fiction and is complete at a hundred, a hundred thousand, three hundred words. Okay, so, um, I think you cut the entire final paragraph. The Crummett siblings live up and down, yada, yada. Um, you cut, um, seeing the, in the first paragraph, you cut the final sentence, you know seeing olive boldly step outside the shadow perspective leads them on their own unique journey you cut those things and then you send this to agents
1: yep i i agree <laughs> <laughs>
0: this
1: this is exactly what kelly and i talked about about being specific about knowing what the stakes are we have such clear ideas of each of these siblings in the crammit family and their dysfunction about what their expectations of their parents are, what their own lives are, just there's so much it's it, one, it's an extremely well-written query the the, the diction the, the, how you dis- you describe each sibling is very vivid to me and very specific. All of this proves to me in the query that you know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, you know it's not a perfect query as Kelly as and I had said, there are some cuts that we would make to it. But that wouldn't have stopped me from requesting this. This is something that I, you know, like the engagements or a lot of it it fits right squarely in that market of upmarket commercial women's fiction. It's sort of a family saga. It's I, I know I can see the package. I can I know where to market this. This is this is a winner in terms of in terms of queries for me.
0: Yeah. Again, I mean, I think that last paragraph, the reason you want to cut it is that, um, it starts to talk about your story, you know, and you've, you've done so beautifully with getting us to know all these characters and getting us to know, getting, telling us, you know, what's going to happen, showing us what's going to happen. And then this final paragraph talks about like the mechanics of your book. You're like, oh, it's told, you know, shifting perspectives and this and that, and they all learn this and, you know, cut all that we We don't need that you've demonstrated it beautifully. We don't need to see um any of that. It just kind of bogs your query down and then, from that first paragraph, um I would stop it with you know, but when Olive the youngest and most beloved sister ends up pregnant outside of wedlock and dares to that. be happy about it, everything changes. Olive's sister Sam, like from that moment go immediately into the second paragraph. You can cut those final two lines again, that's more um, telling us, you know, what's going to happen. Ooh, this new perspective is going to change everything. Well, we know that already. You've made that abundantly clear. Um, you don't need those sentences in there. Um, again, even as JJ said, even with those parts in there, I probably would have requested this anyway, but if you really want to make it as tight as you possibly can, um, cut those things and start querying today.
1: Yep. I think you're ready. <laughs> I mean, there's no comps here. There's no bio here. and I don't need them. I have the story. Nope. That's all mm-hmm. we need. Mm-hmm. I think this is a great example of it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't need it to follow the formulas or whatever. It's there. The stories are there. The specifics are there. The stakes are there. And that's all I need to know. And mm-hmm. just those specifics give me such a clear picture not only of the characters, but of how I would package this book, how I would sell this book, of even of which editors I would pitch this book to. So mm. that's what a good query can do. It it gives you such a clear path to representation and selling and marketing. And so, yeah, I think this is, this is you know, like I said, it wasn't perfect, but it doesn't matter. I would have mm-hmm. requested it.
0: Absolutely. So that is five queries. Um, that's all we're going to go through today in terms of that. Um, it does kind of break my heart a little bit that we're not going to be able to give feedback to each and every one of you. Um, we thank you so much for sending things in. Um, it, you know, means a lot that you uh, trusted us with your queries and uh, the opportunity to read them live here as we record. Um you know, if this is something that you guys enjoyed, then definitely let us know if you found it useful, and maybe we'll be able to do it again sometime in the future. Um, and I hope that it's been, you know, we tried to pick queries that all showcased different things um, so that we could give a, a vast range of feedback. Um, and I know that... It was probably tough love yeah. I think that I hope you guys know that it really I mean it's really to bring out the best in you. We selected these because we do believe that um there's a kernel of greatness um, somewhere in there and we want to help bring it forth and so that is why we chose these ones um, I hope that you know even people who didn't get selected can take some of these things and apply them to your own unique query um, and make it better and stronger uh, yeah yeah and this was great I mean I've, I've we and Kelly and I were pretty experienced with reading
1: queries um, in our previous jobs and, and currently and I think too the the sort of broader problems or issues that we pointed out the the lack of specificity the vagueness the telling and not showing these are issues that we saw pretty much across the board we picked these five in particular because there's you know personally speaking she and I would probably have either picked them or you know requested them or, or whatever there's something in them that called to us as readers um, but it doesn't mean that the other queries that we received weren't worthy or weren't good. Uh there were in fact a couple in here that were pretty good. We just maybe needed a little bit more expanding here, a little bit more spe- you know a little bit more specific here. Um but, you know so we tried to pick the ones that were representative of different issues that we saw. So um yeah, I think you know i i enjoyed this you know this is something that i think i can help people with i think kelly would agree with me that you know this, these uh-huh. are critiques that we can come up with so if you guys like this definitely let us know um and maybe we'll do another one in the future
0: yeah all right so let's move on what uh what have you been reading lately uh so i mentioned in my last
1: podcast i'm blowing through all of Maria V. Snyder's books Um, and I am also reading Lady Midnight by Cassandra Clare that's the newest book in her Shadowhunter series Um, I'm using that book as the dangling carrot at the gym (laughs) (laughs) like I'll leave work and be like okay if I I can read this book if I do an hour on the elliptical Um, and thus far it's working so yeah
0: (laughs) Nice, what about you? I am reading Six of Crows" by Lee Bardugo.
1: mm, so good and
0: it's actually the first one of hers that I read. I have not read her previous books, um uh, but I think I'll go back and read them because I'm enjoying this very much. I'm only halfway through It's a long book um, but i'm really I'm really enjoying it very, very much so. That's what I'm reading. Of course,
1: Lee is a pub crawl alum, so of course I'm going to pimp her. But also, her <laughs> books are really great, you guys. <laughs> All right, so then, uh, why don't we talk about what we're working on?
0: Oh, to be a hundred percent honest, I'm not working on anything. I just—I feel like this past week has flown by. I don't even know. Um, where it's gone, I can't. I couldn't tell you what I've done with my time since then. Um, I don't know what. Haven't worked on a thing. Have nothing professional. Nothing personal. Nope. <laughs> what about you?
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: I suppose you could say working on health. Um, I think I'd mentioned yeah. before that I, you know, recently gone back on medication for bipolar disorder. It takes, you know, a couple of weeks, about a month, to kind of feel the effects of it. And I am, I think, starting to feel the effects of it. I'm starting to feel basically like myself again, which is great. Um, and that also means that I am taking care of myself. You know, I'm eating better. I am going to the gym. I've also decided that I'm old now. And I am not going to sacrifice sleep anymore. <laughs>
0: Round of applause for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love sleep. Ideally, I'd get nine hours of sleep a day. Um, So I think just eating, I think I'm I'm focusing on that, trying to just get my health in order and and get my mental health in order and just feeling good again. And that's that's what I've been working on, mostly.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. What about other media? Any more horror podcasts or anything else new?
1: No, Mark finishes his uh, night float rotation this weekend, but uh, (laughs) uh, last weekend, I don't know if you guys know Black Mirror. It is Mm -hmm. a British miniseries, kind of an anthology show, um, and I have described it to my friends as kind of Twilight Zone for the modern age, and these are sort of speculative stories in which they take technology and e- extrapolate it to kind of an extreme end. And uh Mark and I had watched them when they kind of first came out a couple of years ago, and only recently Netflix has added the Christmas special to to their to their lineup for Black Mirror, so we got to watch that. And I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I think Black Mirror is a little bit uneven in terms of its storytelling and the sort of issues it focuses on, but the Christmas special is pretty good. Plus, it has John Hamm, um, who, if you guys watch Mad Men, he is Don Draper. Or, as my partner said, isn't that the preacher from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Because <laughs> that's his, apparently his only exposure to John Hamm. Like, how really? How have you? you missed how do you miss this? <laughs> so I mean it was very enjoyable. I really liked it. Um and it, it's funny about John Hamm because he is a dramatic actor in Mad Men, but I, I kind of always think of him as a comedic actor. Maybe because
0: uh-huh. he's just really
1: good at comedy
0: he 's really funny he 's he does a guest stretch on thirty rock i don 't know if you 've seen it i haven 't seen um, thirty
1: rock but, but he
0: he plays it 's an excellent. I watched it all while I was on maternity leave at like four o 'clock in the morning feeding the baby um and it 's a it 's just great but tina fey 's character Liz Lemon is basically Tina Fey. (laughs) (laughs) Tina Fey as Tina Fey in 30 Rock. Um, John Hamm plays her boyfriend for a little while, or her neighbor that she's got a crush on. I can't remember the details, but um, his whole thing is that he's terrible at everything, but no one will tell him because he's so (laughs) handsome. (laughs) So, So he's like, he's a doctor, but like he can't help people and like he can't like he plays all these like sports and all he just does all this stuff and he's abysmal (laughs) at it but no one will tell him because he's so handsome (laughs) and it's amazing he's hilarious
1: i mean i love john Hamm i think he's great (laughs) just if he shows up in anything i'm always like good call whoever cast you because you're great in everything i've seen you in (laughs) um but that's pretty much it Uh, I can't think of anything in terms of other media that I've been, that I've been watching or listening or reading by you.
0: No, I think really nothing. Honestly. Um, I actually had a wonderful weekend, uh, in which no media was consumed. Nice. (laughs) Very nice. um, Yeah. My husband, myself and my daughter were all home with no obligations together for the entire weekend, which I can't even remember the last time that happened. Um, Usually one of the three of us always has something going on, but we had nothing to do. The weather was beautiful. Uh, We spent a lot of time outside. We went to a local kids' musical festival that um, happens every spring here in Minnesota, uh, Rock the Cradle from The Current. Um, You know, we just spent time together as a family and hung out and, um, you know, didn't really do much of anything else, which was really lovely and very, uh, replenishing, but, uh, yeah, no new media. That is all for this week. Next week, we're returning to our publishing 201 series. We're going to be talking about sales conference. Mm. Um, so some good behind the scenes, behind the curtain of the publishing industry stuff for you guys next week. As always, if you want more, please subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Pickle, or your podcast provider of choice.
1: Also, if you like this, please rate and review if you get a chance as it helps other listeners find the podcast.
0: If you want more pub crawl goodness, you can go to our website, publishingcrawl.com, where we have many more posts and articles about various aspects of reading, writing, and the publishing industry.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at PubCrawlBlog, as well as on Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at PublishingCrawl.
0: You can follow me, Kelly, at BookishChick on Twitter or Instagram, or my website at penandparsley.com.
1: And you can follow me, JJ, at SJJones. That's S-J-A-E-J-O-N-E-S on Twitter or my website, sjjones.com.
0: Our theme music is Quirky Dog by Kevin MacLeod, and our logo is designed by Aaron Bowman, author of Vengeance Road, available now wherever books are sold. If you have any further questions,
1: comments, or feedback, feel free to email us at publishingcrawl at gmail.com or send us an ask through Tumblr.